Season 1, Episode 9! Welcome to the Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor. I take words and I dip them in water until they're nice and moist and then pliable and mold them into sentences so that I can use them for comic book scripts and also the blogs on showmecomics.com. And I'm Sam Richardson. I eat paper, pencils, and ink and squeeze out art. And we have a special guest with us today. Go ahead. Uh, my name yourself. is Tony He-Man, and I am a My Little Pony super fan. All right, so you're probably wondering at this point, why do we have a My Little Pony super fan with us? And for just a few seconds, I'm going to get up on a soapbox here. Protocon, can you slide my soapbox over here? Thank you. All right, so uh, one of the things that you know writers get asked a lot, and I'm sure artists do too, is where do your ideas come from? And I know that there's a lot of uh, writers and artists that really don't like that question because it's they just kind of understand that ideas come from life. You know, ideas come from everything that you do. Uh, so the best way to generate ideas is to live life. So when we're talking about that, is don't sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and have new experiences to generate ideas. So we're doing a very special series of podcasts over the next year or so uh, that we like to call Show Me Comicast Out of Our Element. So today the way that we're getting out of our element is by talking about a phenomenon that is sweeping the entire globe called My Little Pony. And the reason it's out of our element is because between Tim, Sam, and myself... Uh, or amongst, amongst Tim, amongst Tim, Sam, and myself, uh, we just don't get the My Little Pony thing. We don't know anything about it. So we brought in Tony the Pony Heeman, the My Little Pony super fan, to explain to us why is this, you know, on television, the toy stores, and yes, the comic book shops. Why is this such a big thing? Why is it so popular? We want to just kind of learn about it. And hopefully bring it back towards the end of the episode, uh, what makes it so successful. So I don't know any way to kick it off other than saying, Tony, tell us about ponies. All right. Well, you put it in a really broad way. But um, to start off with, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is the fourth season of my, or the fourth, fourth series of My Little Pony. Um, <clears throat> it's a cartoon uh, based on, originally made to sell toys by, uh, I don't know if it was originally Hasbro, but Hasbro currently. And... Um, it's produ- or the first season was produced by Lauren Foss, who's famous for like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, and a oh, lot yeah, of other super successful cartoons and other shows. Uh, she's often produced like fantastic stuff. Uh, however, you look at it, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic happened to be again a really big hit, well liked by a lot of people. And it's a little bit strange, but I guess one of the biggest things people take away from it is that there's a lot of male fans of My Little Pony. So that's where. Um, that's where I guess a lot of pop culture got involved in it. It's it's liked by a lot of men, eighteen to thirty-five. Um, extremely do, popular. Extremely uh, cool. Just to cut in, do these men, eighteen to thirty-five, who like this phenomenon, do they have like a collective name that they call themselves? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess the word you're looking for is bronies. Um, there are some <laughs> other different subsections and specific words, like with any fan culture. You Wait, can there's find... sext of sext of bronies. 
Um, yes, yes. There's actually a lot of different divisions. There's some some girls that would also call themselves brownies. It's it's definitely one of those terms that is sometimes not gender biased. Hmm. Uh, there are also sometimes girls that would rather be called Pegasisters. Although from what I've found, that's extremely uncommon. They usually would prefer to be grouped together without any separations. Um, this is blowing my mind. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I am, I, I'm speechless. Um, go, go ahead, continue. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go over the entirety of My Little Pony's Wikipedia page and every single page you can get to from the internet, but uh, I will say that having watched the first three seasons, uh, it has a very good uh, wheat-chaff ratio as far as, like, a lot of high-quality episodes. It's a good cartoon. I've always loved cartoons going all the way back. Um, yeah, so let's ground it right there a little bit. How did you first become a fan and and kind of the why what, oh, what well, appealed to, to you well to plug it specifically i read a um forum for another podcast front row crew forums um the geek nights podcast and there was a thread and it literally starts off with uh, a bunch of people doubting whenever somebody says so this is my new my little pony thing it's pretty cool everybody just thought it was a joke everybody thought it was you know a troll comment until they all sat down and watched the show and uh witnessed how how it, it wasn't a bad show i mean it, i don't know if you guys have even touched it at all i have a daughter who's about four years old I so vaguely remember my little ponies from when i was a kid well what i was gonna say was with my daughter was i heard about the brony thing over time a little bit at first i thought it was a joke and then i found out it was real and then i'm like I could probably at least check it out and be safe if I have my daughter in the room. <laughs> you know, I don't instantly get vaulted into brony status because I'm sitting there drinking a beer, watching it by myself. Um, so, yeah, I've checked out an episode or two. And also, we went to the local comic book shop. And I will say, they had, like, a kid section. And, you know, I always take her there, and I want her to get her interested. So I said, you know, hey, any comic in the place, you know, you can buy uh, if you like. And she picked that one up. You know, just went over and selected it, and then so bought it for her, you know, and she enjoyed reading it. My experience with it also started with my daughter. She was a uh, My Little Pony fan a few years ago and bought the toys and the balloon that did the theme song and all that stuff. In fact, whenever I uh, decorated her her room a few years ago, she actually wanted me to draw, like, Rainbow Dash or one of them on the wall. Uh, in fact, her favorite character isn't even one of the ponies. It's, like, the dragon Spike, Spike or whatever. Yeah. And uh, anyway, to, to kind of spike. to relate that to the brony thing, how I first found out about the bronies were uh, I was actually at my sister's house for a birthday party for my nephew, my nephew who uh, oh man, we'll just uh, we'll call him Hayden. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we were there for Hayden's birthday party, and, and Hayden and my daughter Madeline are very close. And anyway, they were in his bedroom playing, and I went in there to, to tell Madeline it was time to eat. And whenever I walked in, I noticed they were on the computer, and the wallpaper on Hayden's computer was My Little Pony. And now all I know was from seeing, like, you know, her toys in the cartoon when we were younger. And I was like, My Little Pony. And he hurried up and he, like, shut it off. Yeah. And I was like, was that My Little Pony? He was like, no. And then real quick, you know, my daughter was like, Daddy. She's like, don't you even talk about it. And I was like, talk about what? And she goes, Hayden's a brony. <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh, what? And apparently very embarrassed about I it. I was like, like he has to brony. I was like, um, what is that? And she's like, it's a boy that likes my little pony. She's like, don't make fun of it. And I was like, what? <laughs> if that's what he's saying. Your daughter's into, like that? Your daughter's like, awesome. I was like, I'm not going to make fun of it. But, you know, I was, I was like a brony. And then it was later on that, you know, I went online and I was looking at this. And I was like, oh, this brony is a real thing. And they're marketing my little pony to, to boys now. And, uh... Apparently it's caught on, you know, and then I went to the 
the the con with Tony Heeman here recently, and I guess Tony. If you Wait a to... minute, a convention? Yes. Like con as in convention? Yeah. yeah. So there's a pony convention. A lot of them. Uh, I mean, I'd say the vast majority of them are pretty tiny, uh, relatively convention size speaking. We're well, talking... ponies are pretty tiny, <laughs> relatively speaking. Yeah. When it comes to yeah, horses there's, there's, and, yeah. and such. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of conventions. There's one in Kansas City, one in St. Louis, a bunch of them recently. Uh, obviously, any fan community has its own different deals. Um, and, and the crowd has some unique dynamics, slightly different from a comic book convention crowd, but it also has a lot of the same dynamics. You've got cosplayers, you've got people interested in all different sorts of aspects of... Do they uh, cosplay as ponies or equestria girls? That's a good question. Oh no, I just let people know that I know what equestria <laughs> girls are. Uh, yeah, you did. And, uh, you know, that actually varies, and there's some some people go one way or another, humanized ponies versus not. What you don't see, as far as I... Well, okay, I guess I have seen at least one, uh, is the full-on like fursuit cosplay pony uh, monster creature thing and you know like like they're, they're, they're trying to actually be a small horse now um, when they when they when they dress up is it one person as a pony or do they actually from do what person I've seen front all person one person I haven't seen any two part ponies I'm okay. not saying that's not out there my mate my super fan status might be revoked because <laughs> I, I'm not aware of some specific thing but um yeah limitations of my knowledge but I, mostly mostly it's I see humanized cosplayers Right. That's what I was going to say was I, I noticed that whenever, when when my daughter Madeline and I got to the, the hotel that this convention was at, I was expecting just like a convention for the ponies. So like I was waiting to see people walking around dressed up like ponies. And when I got there, I was like, you know, I asked one of the, 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 the attendees or whatever. I was like, hi, I'm looking for this convention, you know, it has to do with, I guess, my little pony. And he goes, oh yeah, the, uh, it was called like the Crystal Fair. And I was like, yeah, the Crystal Fair. Was. And it I was a like, yeah, I, I guess that was it. And content yeah, and I guess what I noticed was, was like, it was like this entire world. It wasn't just the ponies. That's oh, all I was expecting. Yeah, whenever you guys, whenever you said, like, it's a big deal across the nation or whatever, I'm like, yeah, and I should plug Equestria right in there. Like, I should just, I should just sub in some of the words, like. But but to go with that, I noticed that you know while it was heavily female populated, uh, they weren't dressed up like ponies. They were dressed up like you know princesses, and they had on dresses, and then maybe like pony ears or well, cat ears or something. Do you like, guys know what Equestria Girls is? Because I found out recently. And tell us. No, no I think the super fan should probably somebody tell well, us. Okay, so, on the edge of the seat. Yeah, this is not that complicated, but uh, there was a My Little Pony movie. I actually got to see it live in theaters. It was only shown once at a theater over in the Kansas side of Kansas City that I got to see it. Please tell me it was an IMAX. Uh, no, no. It was The theater was packed. It was actually like a good 300-person theater, entirely full. The people I brought with me were the only cosplayers. They got applauded for coming into it. There are a few other people like with ears and other things and, and whatnot, but... Um, so it was a My Little Pony movie that was very divisive. The fan community is very divided on whether it's good or bad, or or whether <laughs> it should be. J.J. Abrams My Little Pony. <laughs> Remind me, I um, want to get back to the divisiveness of fan communities. Oh my go god! On, I, I, yeah, I, there's a specific but, story I want to tell. But uh, Equestria Girls is a My Little Pony sort of feature film slash made for television deal that uh, it features the the pony Twilight Sparkle. Uh, migrating across a magical mirror into a world where she's a high school girl and she has to win <laughs> the prom queen contest in order to, in order to and this is why it's divisive but right. but but uh, in order to become the princess and get her crown that gives her her magical powers and she has to defeat an evil high school girl and it, it, yes yeah, so 
So yeah, that's what the movie is. So yeah, Equestria Girls and dressing up like an Equestria Girl. I and, and oh my god, to do it realistically, you'd have to wear gigantic boots and you couldn't move your legs right. You know, uh, I want to point out the fact that some people that may be laughing right now and uh, and also listeners that may be laughing uh, probably liked. Buffy as the series, which basically has the same plot line that Tony just expressed for this. You know, the, some of the same themes and everything. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's trope. Tropes the high school the, girl, you know, <laughs> fighting against evil. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all stories we've heard a thousand times before. If um, Buffy walked through a mirror and turned into a horse, I would say it's a, <laughs> No, it's, I would say you have. Right, you haven't seen that it's episode? It's the opposite. No. There was a pony named Buffy first who walked through a mirror and turned into a vampire slayer. Oh. So that's, you just didn't see the prequel. Yeah. Um. But, okay, so that kind of... Wow, there's a lot of facets here. <laughs> uh, but I said I want to get back to the divisiveness and kind of how I first learned about... Uh, the My Little Pony Phenom um, was somebody showed me hey you gotta see this YouTube video and I'm like oh whenever somebody says that I'm like oh it's either gonna be hilarious or 90% of the time it's gonna be ridiculous you know so it was one of those like epic battles type shows you know of fictional characters I don't think it was the rap battles one it was something different and it was uh, a video they made of Starscream from Transformers versus Rainbow Dash from My Little Pony, who would win? And I gotta say, after I came out of that, I was like, I don't know what's going on with My Little Pony these days, but Rainbow Dash is pretty uh, BA, you know? Like, uh, well, Starscream was pretty lame. Like, he never won. All right, it's a pony versus something that can transform into a jet fighter <laughs> a with laser I'm weapons. Not, I'm not you know an what expert I mean? on this particular video, but did they make references to like the exact speeds that Rainbow Dash can hit based on physics? Exp- physics I'm, I'm, uh, pretty, I'm pretty sure. I know that she went way up video. into the sky yeah, and then came back down. She was basically an intercontinental ballistic missile, you know, and the way she launched herself into, you know, the stratosphere and then came back down. But uh, so. It, Point being, and that's how I first kind of found out about it, and then I'm like, what is going on? And then I remember actually Tony seeing you on Facebook had like a pony image as your icon, and I thought that was just supposed to be like a random funny thing, and then after I came out of that video, I'm like, maybe that's not a random funny thing. This maybe. video's nine minutes long. <laughs> Detailed. Maybe, uh, Protocon, please condense that for us so we can watch it quickly. So I came out of that, and I'm like, maybe this is bigger than just this video and just my friend having his avatar, you know, as a pony. And so I did what anybody would do, and quit Google search. And the first thing I came up with was this lady with a British accent trying to explain bronies and the My Little Pony phenomenon. And I'm like, what is going on here? And that's where I learned about derpy hooves. <laughs> what? Uh, so apparently there is a... I think this is kind of cool. Okay, go ahead. We'll go to okay, the Okay, so Derpy Hooves is a pony that is fan-named. It's in the show. She actually exists. She didn't... She was in just about every episode in she the background. She was like a background character, though, She right? had, uh, in one single scene, an accidental, like, uh, animation error where her eyes are flipped incorrectly, where it's like uh, they're boggled in, like, like, top right and bottom left or something, like... She's derped out if you internet me some stuff. On the screen here. Uh, and, and Derpy continued to show up after that point continuously in additional episodes with her eyes slipped that way. It became well, part of her character. That's she what's so fascinating was that once the internet kind of exploded with the Derpy Hooves thing, the uh, people that ran the show were actually like, hey, they responded to this. Let's keep her that way. 
Um, well, and uh, at specifically, first, yeah. Oh, well, specifically, there was drama involved whenever they actually gave her a voice and actually gave her a name in an episode, where the way it was presented did not come across to all viewers as um, interesting DC. or complimenting, or, <laughs> or yeah, it didn't fit in. Some people felt that it was derogatory towards one group or another. I don't know all the opinions on on the drama involved, but basically they went in and re-edited her voice and re-edited the specifics of that exchange. Um, I heard that uh, it's supposed to be like, one camp says, hey, we're just having fun, you know, and we just came up with this name, and they, you know, adapted it to the show. How cool is that? You know, that they picked up on this little internet thing, and it actually made it part of the show, and they really like Derpy Hooves. The other half thinks that she is this, like, awful rip on mentally handicapped people, um, and she's supposed to basically represent, like, the retarded pony, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, and they think that Derpy Hooves is, like, this derogatory, like, slang term, and that they are all bigots and hate mongers and... So it's very, very divisive. <laughs> so we're not going to see the Derpy Hooves Olympics anytime soon. <laughs> uh, they All do. Right. They actually, um, oh, Hasbro it. actually makes the figure for her, and I believe the name on it is actually Derpy Hooves. Like, they actually are printing and producing and selling ponies with some of these things on them. Uh, I mean, there's other there's other fan names that have been adopted for other characters that were just background ponies at one time or another. Uh, any character that shows up on the show once or uh, you know a thousand times, somebody has named it and put details about it on some wiki page somewhere. It well, they do that with the Star Wars characters, too. Well, I was going to say, I think that's actually one of the more interesting parts for me as a creator is knowing that this interaction with the fan community is, exists. You don't get a whole lot of stuff like that. I think that's really cool um, that they respond to the fan community in a way that they're actually not hijacking the show but complimenting the show which is you know a conversation in and of itself but i, I think it's kind of neat with sam tim what do you guys think about that oh, tim, the... tim has pictures of it up on the monitor right now <laughs> you guys are just getting your minds blown aren't you well, this is the, this is the best podcast we've ever done <laughs> and i can't wait to do the related links when i make the blog post for it Right, I wish that the listeners could actually see this. I'm glad that we have, like, two this. My Little Pony but virgins no. here to, like, experience this for the first time. Hey, and really... I am a My Little Pony virgin. It's just the internet has educated us. I have sexual relations with that My I would pony. like Somebody to assume has. we have quite a few bronies and My Little Pony fans listening, so I would just like to tell you right now that Derpy Hooves is my favorite one. <laughs> uh, Next time Madeline's looking for a My Little Pony hat or figure, we're getting Derpy Hooves. <laughs> I've already bought two Rainbow Dashes for my daughter, but... If, like Sam, if, like Sam has a daughter, have, if Sam has another daughter, he's going to name her Derpy. <laughs> I like that your daughters have good. fantastic taste by picking Rainbow Dash. It's, a, it's an excellent choice. Now, obviously, you guys are missing the point because when Sam has his new kid, what he has to do is post pictures online without a name and let the fan community <laughs> name his child. Name it. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's kind of shift gears here. We've got a lot of just you know, oversaturation of information right here. Let's try to digest it and say, what can we learn? And Tony be our guide or our MC in this. What can uh, we kind of learn just from, you know, from a pop culture slash, uh, you know, I think the lines of comic book fans. Oh, there are a lot and, of different, uh, and my little, walk. yeah, well, I was gonna say comic book fans, just fandom in general 
it there is a sector that overlaps with the people that like this show because it is a good show from Absolutely. everybody that I hear about. Um, so what can we kind of learn from what makes this show good? Ooh, that you oh, general questions that require such extreme amounts of explanation. A lot of time. We how time about I this. share some of the things I appreciate about the show? Um, it, it's relatively good storytelling in some of the episodes. Uh, a lot of the plots that they go through, they're typical tra- plots that you see in a lot of children's cartoons, but it's not presented in any way that sort of like, uh, I'm just going to say a lot of cartoons that were in, back whenever we were growing up in the 80s or 90s or uh, that were targeted towards girls tended to not have very good female characters. Like they were princesses, but they didn't, they didn't, these, these girls are real like ish characters. They have they, problems, they, yeah, they have, you they, know, they, and they, they have flaws sol- and they work together and they actually solve problems and there's, there's conflicts and interesting things. You can tell the difference between every character. That's a big deal. It's important that every character is, and even including every background character, seems to have something unique about them that, that defines how they behave and how they act. And That's what I wanted to comment on from my observations, is I think one of the strengths that I always hear is strong characterization um, and iconic characters. And how I wanted to get at that is, and I'm going to fire this question at Tony, and it should be a good... Uh, way to gauge how other My Little Pony fans would react to the same question is Tony, who is your favorite My Little Pony? Um, oh, that ends up being Pinkie Pie for me, I believe. See how he fired that off and he immediately had the, you know, he because he knows because they're iconic, but go ahead, tell us why Pinkie Pie. Uh, well, for me, it actually has to do with the Party of One episode where Pinkie Pie goes crazy and, um, well, more or less crazy. Uh, Pinkie Pie is a party pony. Partying is extremely important to her, and she throws parties for her friends all the time. She has parties every single day of the week, and at one point it seems like all of her friends have given up on going to one of her parties that she's planning because all of them have been partied out, and they don't, they don't, they don't want to party with her anymore. <laughs> there's, not <laughs> enough, there's not enough of that. So Pinkie Pie goes into herself and kind of, kind of cracks because she thinks her friends aren't appreciating her. She thinks that... That the one thing that's important to her in life, which is partying, is just not working. And we learn things about Pinkie Pie's backstory and all sorts of business. But but she breaks. And uh, symbolically, her hair like straightens whenever it's usually curly and puffy and, and partying. Uh, so she and, became goth? Is that what you're uh, trying to no, say? No, <laughs> no. Actually, she breaks into a sort of schizophrenic mess. Um, so she became goth? That's what you're trying to say? No, no. Not, uh, <laughs> there's a picture on the monitor. Uh, right. she, um, this is an audio medium. You know that, right? There's some related links in the. All right, so Pinkie Pie uh, cracks and um, she sort of has a break and and she makes friends out of inanimate objects or maybe possibly not inanimate objects based on some interpretations, like a bag of flour or rock, some other, or actually a collection of rocks in a specific formation. Uh, And and what ends up happening is the show, the the plot is resolved, and this is a huge spoiler and I'm ruining your ability to enjoy this episode. (laughs) Spoiler alert, turn us off now if you want to go check out the episode. But uh, it turns out that the whole reason that nobody's interested in this party and everybody's turning her down is because they're all planning a party for her that is heartbreaking that's so sweet and heartwarming uh, i mean that's my favorite episode partially just because i like the crazy break part of it and everything but uh, i i love that about that character so here's the second follow-up question who is your least favorite Mm. Pony. Oh, is this only out of the main cast, or is, does this include background ponies? <laughs> let's let's do both. 
Okay, in the main cast, I'm along with a lot of people often disappointed with the I just underutilization. Threw, I just threw caution to the wind, by yes. the way. Did you uh, hear that? Are you prepared? <laughs> I um, with, with the character Applejack, who had, in the beginning, one of the best possible like um, uh, setups for her as a character. She doesn't have magical power. She can't fly. She's just a strong, hard-working pony. That, can most that, of them fly? Uh, two of them. Well, now three of them pony. can fly out of the main ponies. Um Applejack is it, she's a hard working pony but her character in so many episodes is just not even present it's just she's 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 a redneck background joke these hooves uh, were made for walking yeah <laughs> uh, um and a lot of her plots are resolved in ways that i feel were disappointing relative to what they could be it could be a better message towards young girls or ingrown man children to uh <laughs> To work hard and like and like earn your keep and like be willing to to put forth the effort to help your relatives and family and all sorts of business, but and then in the background pony department, I am currently very disappointed. Well, not truly a background pony, but she's not part of the main six. Scootaloo, uh, <laughs> there hasn't been enough of her de- character development from what I've seen. Like she's she's a Pegasus pony that doesn't live in the Pegasus pony town and. Uh, She's hung out with Rainbow Dash a bit, or idolizes Rainbow Dash, and uh, she's cool. She's, she 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 manages to ride around on, on like a scooter, as is in the scooter looing. Uh, but she she just is underplayed and underdeveloped in some ways. Uh, out of the Cutie Mark Crusaders, does she kind of like just seem annoying? Then I guess. Well, all the Cutie Mark Crusaders originally graded on me and eventually earned their place. Although part of that is even based on fan community things, like uh, Sweetie Belle would not be the same to me if it wasn't for watching fan made videos where she is or or content where she is Sweetie Bot. She's actually a robot fake pony existing in Equestria, and it explains so much about her to to just understand that she's actually not a pony at all. She's a robot. Um, oh man. So Sam just read his insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to hearing my daughter make reference to these characters and names, but never hearing the backstory before. I feel like, like we need to start a whole separate podcast with Tony and your daughter. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, but it's in all seriousness to ground this, you know, when it comes to what we can learn is, do you hear with the ease he's able to talk about yes, these characters? Yes. Because they're, they are developed and they are well-rounded, so... I mean, we're a, a podcast about making stories, basically. Uh, our medium happens to be comic books, and our characters happen to be, you know, you know at the the moment, mostly realistic type people. Uh, well, that, that's the, actually what I, that's why I'm laughing so hard over here, though, is it's like, I'm sure to my parents, when they heard me say Spider-Man, Batman, it's like, what is this is childish stuff that my kid always talks about. Right. But then if another adult came in and actually explained like the elaborate backstory and the history of these characters, it would be like, wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. so used to just hearing my daughter say these names. Applejacks and Rainbow Dash and uh, Spike. Or, yeah, I've never even heard of Scootaloo. <laughs> but to hear Tony actually explain this in a very thorough way, like it's... It's interesting to hear, but it's just I never knew there was that much to them. But, uh, you know, there are some things that we can learn um, other than just the, you know, the well-roundedness of the characters and them actually having goals and motivations. I mean, come on. When you talked about, what was it, Pinkie Pie? Yeah. Pinkie Pie, okay. So Pinkie Pie actually has goals and motivations. And when you read a lot of stuff from amateur writers, that's something that their characters lack are goals and motivations. But you look at character like Pinkie Pie and it sounds absurd that that's a driving goal and motivation but they were able to base a whole episode 
that apparently was very touching around the fact that her goal is she wants to party all the time. So when <laughs> something arises in conflict with her goals, guess what? You just got a good story. And we we're talking about where do ideas come from? I kind of introduced it in the beginning of this podcast, but it's like, it's something as simple as that is knowing your characters, knowing what their goals and motivations are. Uh, I'm going to spin it around though to Sam for the art standpoint of it though. The other thing that Tony mentioned is, you know, they do a good job of using the visuals, whether it be the comic book or the show, because uh, Tony described the fact that when Pinkie Pie uh, went through this depressive state, they actually changed the way they drew the character. That's right, Tony, right? I'm yeah, getting absolutely. That right. Uh, so, Sam, what do you think about that? I mean, you, can our audience learn from those sort of things? Yeah, uh, that's actually something uh, a few months ago I was... Again, to go back to my daughter, she uh, she was in a written Stimpy for a while, and unfortunately, she's probably a little too early for Ren and Stimpy because her mom called me one day and said she was talking to her little sister about rubber nipples, yep. and that's when it was time to stop watching Ren and Stimpy for a while. But anyway, uh, while she was into it, it's funny because it got me watching some of the old episodes, and I haven't seen those since I was like probably you know twelve, thirteen years old. And uh, anyway, the other day I was watching; it was like a like a biography or something with the creator of Ren and Stimpy. He's an animator named John Crick Falusi, you know, and he would talk about some of the different things. Whenever you watch that show, there'll be like, and I'm sure everybody at this table has seen Ren and Stimpy, correct? Yep. Well, if you watch an yes. episode, you might notice like it'll go from like traditional animation where here's the characters and they look like cartoons to and, like, those up close. Like, yes. Paintings. And it looks like a realistic draw. Like you go from like, here's Ren and Stimpy and he's like, he's just all of his teeth fell out and he has nerve endings. And then you hit that close up and it's just like, a still painting of this just disgusting mouth and it's rendered just like with all these shadows and highlights and it looks like a painting and then there's like this stench coming out of his teeth and and there's different instances in that show where they'll do that and you know and he talks about the reason why is you have a much different impact on the audience whenever you go from you know this is cartoony and this is supposed to be funny and then all of a sudden when you hit him with something realistic it impacts them a lot harder well it also slows down the pacing because i remember in those like an, oh, another time they would switch to those painting type things is when someone was like straining right. you know it's like they're trying to I, I don't remember all the episodes but let's say they're trying to like pick something up or cram somebody through a, a small opening and they'd be like and they'd go to one of those photos and it would just be like or not photos but paintings and it'd be that single still image yeah you know and it's like you're used to things moving now nothing's moving so now your eye is trying to wander for that movement but instead you're taking in different details right. and slowing things down and you're like oh that you know that they're obviously straining for a long time even though they might only have that painting up there for the count of one mississippi two mississippi it feels really long because they switch from animation to a a still image you know yeah. i don't know if that was kind of where you're going but right uh, what it, the, well what it does is as the as the viewer it forces you to feel that emotion right especially in comedy like you know 20 30 years ago like the traditional american way of doing animation was very subtle whether it was comic books or cartoons is this if it starts off cartoony and then it hits the gag and there's the point you're supposed to get it's still the same style of animation it's still very subtle where and this is where you're seeing more of that japanese anime influence as well but he did this in Ren and Stimpy where here's the world they're presenting to you of animation drawn a certain way and then boom 
boom, it hits like something total opposite, realistic. It forces you to see that. Whatever feeling they're trying to get, it forces it in your face instead of going real subtle. And that's more, that's a Japanese anime influence that's, you know, in the last 20 years is really becoming prevalent over here. Of, oh, I would say that that's true of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. That's probably heavily influenced yes. by uh, anime. And I, uh, Tony, you kind of live in both worlds, don't you? So maybe you can speak to that. I do. And whatever you say that, I do see certain influences and overlaps between the two. There's definitely a lot of factors. I don't want to make that claim because that claim kind of makes some statements in different directions and I'm not truly an animation expert um, across like how different artists were influenced to do different things. It's not just drawings though, it's storytelling. They tell yeah. stories different, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm not, we're not in this podcast going to cover like Eastern versus Western or even Japanese um, storytelling differences in general, but there's a lot to be said for all of that. Right on. So uh, hopefully that has uh, got us... You know, what we wanted out of this conversation is it's a popular phenomenon and we can learn something from it, from it because it is storytelling in an art form done well. Whether, one thing, whether one thing it's I really feel like I should plug because you guys are a comic strip based thing is the comic book itself uh, takes things a little bit dark. Well, there's actually two different comic books. There's one based on the Cutie Mark Crusaders. That one's targeted towards even younger children. But then there's one targeted towards, you know, maybe slightly older children uh, that focuses on the main cast. And it's darker than the cartoon show that's put on uh, television. So the one I got my daughter had Applejack in it. Is that, that was yeah, it's one of the darker ones, okay. I guess. Uh, to my understanding, um, yeah, there's two separate series going on, and and the uh, they can go in directions that they can't with the comic book because the presentation's different. Like a mass market television show, they have to walk a certain line. Right. And I, I heard there was also in the comic, you know, certain. Uh, continuity things that they didn't have to worry about and only a few high level big ticket continuity things they did have to so they could go tell all sorts of uh different stories that they weren't wrapped up in the episodic absolutely absolutely. and and obviously in their particular context because this is a hasbro owned property that is also marketed to sell toys there are limitations and um things involved like not only is there community feedback in the art but there's also corporate feedback in the art that's something you guys won't run into as independent developers but i'm sure at some point you know whenever anytime you're dealing with any sort of bigger production company you're gonna have you're gonna have feedback coming from the top that's different and various different things. we actually covered that in a previous podcast no yeah. one that i haven't been able to hear yet <laughs> but so. it, it this is another reason why i said you got to kind of get out of your element because there are uh, those factors that we didn't talk about in our last right. podcast because in our last podcast we talked about like DC Comics so we were only talking about the creators versus their immediate editorial department uh, what Tony's talking about is in the My Little Pony thing they actually have two bosses that they have to answer to um, one is you know the showrunners or the editors of the comic and then kind of above and between them is Hasbro right. and that's a whole different beast so yeah that's worthy of note Especially when you're thinking of that, because there are other properties in the comic book world that are owned like that. Can you guys think of a couple? Uh, just Marvel, Disney, and DC Warner Brothers. Yeah, I mean, you can think about it like that. I also think there's like uh, there's GI Joe comics. You know, how about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. is owned by Nickelodeon, right? You know, so there's a, a lot of different things there, and it, so the Turtle comics are obviously going to be a lot different from the TV show. But I would guarantee you, ninety um, percent sure, guarantee you <laughs> that the people that make that comic aren't going to be like, "All right, so in this episode, Shredder rapes April O'Neil," you right. know, and they're like, 
if that you know bubbles up to Nickelodeon, they're going to be like, no. You know what I mean? It's just the fact that we still, you know, we license it to you, and you might own the comic book licensing rights right now, but overall, I'm sure that deal is structured where they have some kind of say-so against right. those types of things, you know, that could hurt their brand. But that, that's uh, a worthy... Uh, subject to study when it comes to that and kind of look at the pony thing and find out what's going on when you have those conflicts i want to wrap this up on one note that should be pretty informative and fun because i, I heard... don't want this to end <laughs> well it doesn't have to because you can start watching the show immediately yeah um, uh tim i can give you probably an endless supply of this stuff if you need oh fantastic i can hook you up all right. Is it on so, Netflix? I don't want to. I don't. Oh, I should warn you. It could go. It could go places that you don't want to go. <laughs> All right. Down so the pony hole. Here's one thing. One place I do want to go, and this will be just our. You know, since Tony was good enough to give us his time and be our guest, let's give the final thoughts to him, or at least the final dissertation. And uh, can you explain to us what the heck a cutie mark is? Mm, well, a cutie mark is the symbol on a pony's flank. It's some sort of artwork or, or design. Uh, that's, that's its physical properties. Uh, it also is associated with certain magical properties. If you, you have a particular cutie mark, you seem to have some abilities related to it. As we saw in one episode where Apple Bloom had a magically changing cutie mark that changed into hundreds of different things, each cutie mark she had granted her new special powers <laughs> that let her do something different. This would be like if you got went and got a tattoo on your flank. And, is uh, this it, like Care Bears? Yes, and it magically granted you a specific ability related to that mark. Uh, at the same time, it's also a sign of pony maturity. Uh, you naturally go from being a blank flank as a small pony child and eventually developing your cutie mark and thus discovering your own special ability, what makes you a unique pony among all the ponies. You guys freaking laugh We're at that. We're laughing but how, that how do you incredible. Think, how do you think that plays to little kids? That's what I'm saying. That it's is funny an to hear, amazing but it's hook for little kids to I think. I think I'm more laughing at Tony's delivery of it than anything. I mean, what's the number one, one of the number one questions little kids get asked? What do you want to be when you grow up? Right. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I don't know. I could be this this day. It could be that this day. And they know that there's some point in the future where they have to decide, I'm going to be X. You know, right. and absolutely uh, even, the uh, entire Cutie Mark Crusaders, which they're like a separate cast of three ponies that feature prominently in a number of episodes. They uh, factor in and have that's that's literally their plot. They're called the Cutie Mark Crusaders because their desire is to discover what their cutie marks are. So they do this by going out and trying crazy things that they like stunts. They'll try anything though, ranging from like accounting practices in order to like see if they're they're actually supposed to all be Cutie Mark accountants, but uh, or they'll go off and do um, adventures and. And it's funny because as a viewer, you are informed relatively early what their special talents kind of are. Like, they have certain skills, and not spoiling, but they have, they have specific abilities that work really well for them that show up in many episodes. But they still haven't really figured out and identified with that as their own personal plot. Like, you might have had a lot of different skills as a kid. I know all of us did. We all grew up relatively around each other. Uh, we all had a lot of different talents, and then for them, the discovery of how those talents play into, I guess, pony professional world, their future. Also, the curse of the cutie mark is a big deal. Like, once you have a cutie mark, you can't change it. So, if, like, you discover you're really good at, like, loading manure into carts, and that's your passion, and that's what your life is about, you can't walk away from that in that society. Also a theme that's going to play to adolescents really well, you know, and not adolescents, but also 20-somethings. I mean, you come out of college, imagine that, it's like your first job, and you're like, uh, I'm going to be a clerk, you know, like, this is it, this is my cutie mark. 
But, uh, all right. Lightning round for Tony. Smartest pony. Strongest pony. Ooh, and Apple most Jack, charismatic. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to ask you all three, all three, and then you answer. Okay. Smartest, strongest, most charismatic. Go. Uh, Twilight Sparkle is obviously the first. She's a book smart, specialized pony. Uh, strongest is slightly debatable. Big Macintosh is often shown as being very, very powerful. Uh, Applejack is herself kind of an incredibly powerful pony. And depending on what you mean by strength, there's also magical power and other abilities. Rainbow Dash I mean clearly survives. I mean Rainbow, Rainbow Dash clearly survives like incredible contact with 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 forces that are well beyond physical means of any materials that we understand. Now, yeah. Starscream. Is that constitution or strength? That, that's a well. Oh well, let's get into debates of, of whether what additions we're talking about, yes, what let's. context. Uh, yeah, we should do an episode on that someday. <laughs> okay. uh, but and then for the most charismatic, uh, I'm gonna have to think about that in terms of what pulls the fans in the most and what like. No, I mean I, charismatic amongst the rest of the ponies. Oh, again, well, I. Celestia clearly has the highest charisma score, but uh, Pinkie Pie to me seems to be the most charismatic a lot of the time. But that depends on what you want charisma to mean in this context. I want charisma to mean who's most liked by the rest of the ponies. Hmm, most liked by the rest of the ponies. They do a party for Pinkie they, Pie. You might you uh, have to go through the mirror on this one and become an equestrian girl to know. Like... <laughs> I, Twilight Sparkle had to learn the magic of friendship herself, which meant that she had to learn that she was appreciated by other ponies, and in this empowered her with the ability to defeat most of the most evil things in Equestria, so perhaps she is, but this question may be beyond my means. It sounds like we're going to have to come back and revisit it then in a special follow-up. With that said, hopefully we got you out of your element. I know we got out of our element. So, on behalf of... <laughs> on behalf of myself jordan sam and tony we are show me comics and we are wishing you the best in your magical equestrian endeavors and for more information please visit www.showmecomics.com and that's comics with the cs because we know how to spell and make sure right now you get your smartphones out immediately go on twitter and follow us at show me comics and on facebook like our page at Hafu graphic novel and send us pictures of your cutie marks and we also need your reviews, especially if you like this pony episode. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, the more reviews we get, the wider we can cast our net uh, for the audience. And hopefully they can come up for the follow-up with Tony. And lastly, I'd like to close on thank you very much, Tony, for coming out thank here you, and uh, getting us out of our element. It was uh, great. <laughs> there we go. That's all right. <laughs>